Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. I'm Willie Obst. I'm a game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Um, I am without Adam. Adam sent me a bottle that had a uh, USB drive in it. And so I will be plugging that into my computer and listening to it. I'll put it on the podcast so we can all hear. He's stuck in Botany Bay. He's out there in Australia, really hanging in there, doing well. But um, I have uh, one of my favorite game designers ever, Lucian Khan, designer of Visigoths and Molgoths, which is coming to Kickstarter in October. Good. You have to check it out. It is my most anticipated game of the year. I'm so excited. And of course, Dead Friend, a game of necromancy, and a, a really rad game I played over the summer called Rouse Thyself, Mummy, and Confess. Hey, Lucian, what's up? Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm just sitting here in my apartment in Brooklyn with my cat. Hey, cool. What's your cat's name? Beastie. Whoa. Yeah. Has such good cat names. Yeah. She, Beastie is awesome. Beastie is a great cat. She is a um she is an eighteen pound chonk. Um mm. I have in fact um gotten some love from the from the This Cat is Chonky Facebook, yes. Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels good to be recognized for your contributions. Yeah, I mean I would say that it's important for, for me to feel seen, but it's impossible not to see my cat. <laughs> So I I have a million things to ask you about, but I just wanted to give an update to the to the brain trust folks. We've uh, we didn't record last week because we're taking a break and breaks are really good. Um, I am learning how bad I am at taking breaks <laughs> and like it is really challenging to do nothing. And I just find myself like buying craft supplies to work on projects and stuff but oh no um, yeah it's bad i don't know do you have any tips for that like how do you take a break okay so so here's a tip and i i don't know how you feel about this but since you mentioned craft supplies um yeah i i actually know a really great segue um to go between um buying craft supplies and taking a break um, which is that um, <laughs> pipe cleaners, if you, if you didn't know yet, pipe cleaners, which can be bought at craft supply stores, um, can in fact be used to clean pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would recommend <laughs> getting, getting some pipe cleaners um, and just getting really stoned. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I've, I know the dispensaries in Massachusetts. Like, I know where they are, and it's just like working up the, uh, the gumption to get in there. <laughs> to really get in there and, and learn some terminology. You need a little moxie, a little, a little, yeah, a, a little vim and vigor. Yeah. Is that a weed thing? Are those weeds? Is that? I don't. Yeah. Is this <laughs> is this a drug thing? Is this it? Yeah. I just would like to be involved in the ongoing vape crisis. I think that should be how I take a break. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you wanna um to alleviate or intensify the vape crisis? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I would just look. If as long as I'm helping, that's it. Great, <laughs> like, helping in some direction. Yeah, my yeah. my roommate does does vapor, and um, I tell him about the articles that I read, and I feel like I'm a hundred years old when I do that. That's awesome. I love that. Bringing bringing some some geezer energy to the to the weed uh, space. Yeah. Big, yeah. big geezer energy. I feel like geezer energy is important. Like, 
get like non-problematic geezer energy in the role-playing game community is good oh absolutely very important i i hope you know if if the world doesn't explode before i um become 90 or whatever like i would really love um to be a a old man uh in the game in the game industry like i think that would be, oh, really fun, would be fun so for cool me. yeah you could just be like, and I was there. You could be the James Murphy LCD sound system. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. And I, I feel like I, yeah. like in some ways, I already am that person in a lot of ways. Like I, you know, I'm that way um, in like the queer and trans community sometimes because um, I'm 37 mm-hmm. years old and I, um, I came out as as trans when. Uh, I was 18, which is in the year 2000. Um, wow. So yeah, it was it was a, an early and bad time for for being a transsexual. Let me tell you. Um, and and mm-hmm. I definitely you know find myself in a lot of situations where well, first of all, I, I people don't always know that I'm 37 because I'm I'm 37 and trans age. Um, so mm-hmm. so you know <laughs> nobody can ever tell how old we are because we have magical age shape shifting skills. Um, <laughs> and and so. Like, people don't always realize that I am 37. Sometimes they think I'm, like, in my early 30s or, like, mid-20s or something. And also, um, like, people just kind of don't remember that, like, people came out as trans before, like, 2005. Um, Like, it's just kind of, like, not part of our current discourse that, like, we've actually been doing this longer than, like, 10 years. Um, Yeah, this is actually, has some root in history. Yeah, exactly. So, like... Everyone, you know, when, when they meet you and they're like, oh, cool, like, I, first of all, like, I didn't know you're trans because you, you look like, you know, grandpa. Um, but also, like, <laughs> like, why, like, oh, you must have come out as trans, like, at least within the last 10 years, right? And I'm like, no, I came out as trans, like, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And then they're like, what was that like in ye olden times? And so then I'm, I become, like, the ancient mariner with my tails. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. I've also heard you describe what it's like to be on BBS, like BBS. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm like the, I'm like a, uh, either a like really young Gen Xer or like an extremely old millennial, um, depending on how you think about it. Cause I like, even though I was born in 1982, right? So I'm right on that, Mm -hmm. you know, weird, um, order time of, of generations but it's especially weird because i was a very precocious child um so i got and also i lived in los angeles so i i got like really into oh, yeah. like things that were going on in like in popular culture like in my city and nationally and internationally very young compared to a lot of people so like even mm-hmm. though i'm thir- i'm only 37 and i was born in 82 i was on like like dial-up dos based internet bulletin boards yeah. When I was 10. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are um I base I think you are unstuck in time. You are yes. the the time master. You have complete access to anything. That's so, true. I mean, what do you want to be? Um that, that's a real you know what I really want to be Gen Z. You know what I really want to be? <laughs> I want to be like if you're gonna fucking ask me, if you're gonna ask me what mm-hmm. I want to be. I want to be one of those one of those um, foppish dandies in um, like Restoration England who like went to the um, theater and yes. like and like stood in the pit during the during the theater performances and heckled the actors. Um, this was like a thing. Is, uh, oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if you... For all, everyone listening at home, if you, unlike me, have not obsessively researched the Restoration Era in London theater, <laughs> I can't imagine why you haven't, um, then I tell you now that um, it was customary... Um, if you were a, a, um, like a wit, you were known as a wit, um, which is, yeah, which is a, a type of like, like, um, comedic scenester, sort of. Oh my God. Um, who were like, could be really cool or could be really annoying. Right. Um, and you would, you would dress up in like, like foppish, like frilly clothing and you would go to the pit, which was like the bottom area of the theater, like near the stage. And um, much in a style that later became, you know, things like Rocky Horror Picture Show callback lines, right? Yeah. You, you would stand there in the pit and at either new performances or repeat performances of plays, your job <laughs> was... <laughs> um, when... After actors say their lines in the plays, which are often in rhyming verse, right? Your job was to very quickly come up with your own rhyming verse, jokes, quips, or insults in response (laughs) to the stage activities and yell them out. um, This is, like... (laughs) That is your online persona also. Like yes. like seeing I love seeing you in replies. It is like the best part of opening Twitter. Like thank you so much. This is it. I um I I consider myself like in my own, you know, we all have our own myth in our minds of who we are and in my own myth of myself, um I think of myself as um your entertainment for the apocalypse. Right? So <laughs> So like either that or like you know um if if we're if we're thinking of our lives as like um we're all in like a Dungeons and Dragons situation or we're all in like mm-hmm. a um like a Dragon Age Origins or Inquisition situation um and like you know you have your you have your social justice warriors and your social justice wizards and your social justice um whatever yeah. right um uh, and like some people are like heroes right or they're in the the party of heroes and they're trying to improve the world or save the world or like go on a massive um heroic adventurous quest right in this mm-hmm. scenario i am that random bard in that one <laughs> tavern that the heroes pass through on their quest, right? And I'm just standing there, like, extemporaneously reciting, <laughs> like, body verse <laughs> to, to bring good cheer to the adventuring party as they pass through the tavern. That's my job. That's amazing. You were, like, the only NPC that people remember from their, for their eight-year-long campaign. That's, they just want to come back and back. That's the goal. Thank you. I hope oh my I, God. I hope I'm accomplishing it. So I am not particularly directly involved in saving the world. Um, I am I am actually there to like when the when the adventuring party comes through the tavern to like get drunk and like trade you know their 
crappy shit they picked up on the road with the innkeeper <laughs> for like Gwent cards or whatever the fuck, right? <laughs> I am I am there to entertain them. <laughs> I went to go get coffee this morning. I woke up and I made a French press of coffee and I was like, this is not going to be cold enough. I need this on ice. And so I left and got coffee. And on the way back, I was thinking of awesome questions to ask you. But also, I watched a kid make a touchdown. What? I passed by a football field. I live near the Skagnoli Nahil Field in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. Now you can find out where I live. Good luck. Um, and I saw like a 10-year-old shake like seven defenders. And it was amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, this is me now. That's <laughs> like, intense. <laughs> I, I love living next to that big athletic complex thing because I can just see kids do sports all the time. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's good. And I don't have to. So Yes. Um. So, yeah, sports, role-playing games, that's the whole thing. Um, so at this point in the brain trust um, design like we're taking a break, but we're also meditating on design. I know Adam's working on um, a board-based role-playing game that's about reporters that are not necessarily trained to be journalists, but they uncover a situation that needs to be investigated, kind of like Limetown, and it involves a big circular board that you move around. And our game, A Guide to Casting Phantoms and the Revolution, takes place on a pentagram. Um, and I am here with the foremost pentagram game designer <laughs> in the world. Uh, so I just wanted to pick your brain about um, using uh, the shapes and and pieces of pentagrams. Of pentagrams, yeah. Before be, before you ask me anything, I just want to for everyone at home. When Will says that I am the foremost pentagram-based <laughs> game designer in the world. Um, I really need you to, like, pull up a picture of me on the internet, like, go to my Twitter. My Twitter is Otheogony, O-H underscore T-H-E-O-G-O-N-Y. Go to my picture, and I want you to picture, like, like my eyes filled with glowing, flaming pentagrams, like, spinning in opposite directions. Um when he's, when, when Will says that, because it, it's very important to the whole, to the whole aesthetic here. Yeah, like, Lucian basically doesn't travel by air. He uh, has someone create a pentagram and then appears there. <laughs> I only travel through the luminiferous ether. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Not enough luminiferous ether shout-outs online. Come no, on. No. That's the best thing. Ever since the Michelson-Morley experiment, when they disproved the existence of the luminiferous ether, there's just been way fewer um, ether-based ether -based jokes. Wow, you had that um that really was really front of mind for you that <laughs> yeah. that's amazing.
In, um, in the mind of Volusion Khan, things, things that, are, that are at the forefront include the, this, the specific scientific <laughs> experiment that disproved the existence of luminiferous ether. Things I do not know include such, a, such matters as what I am doing tomorrow. <laughs> what the deal, yeah, what lunch is going to be. Um, yeah. So for people that don't know, luminiferous ether was a white wolf game from 1994. <laughs> um, that... Uh, no, it's the concept that space is made out of jelly. Pretty much. <laughs> you just move through it. It's jam-packed, one might say. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was... Uh, I, um, I've just been drawing pentagrams and thinking of it as a design space, but I, I'm kind of realizing I don't have any of the rev- reverence that one might have for the actual the history of the pentacle or the pentagram um and i was wondering uh because dead friend is a game that utilizes several different um pentagrams how you approach that from your um experience and like looking at that as a design space um well i can talk a little bit about you know how the pentagram works in dead friend um i i went pretty um, I went pretty classically with thinking of the pentagram as a representation of, um, of the five classical elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so each point of the pentagram is one of the elements you have, um, earth, air, water, fire, um, and spirit, or sometimes ether. <laughs> ether! <laughs> I didn't go with ether because nobody knows Jelly. what the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. but, um, I... I organized the um, the structure of Dead Friend, which is, um, for those of you who don't know the game, it's um, structured as a uh, ritual of necromancy. It is um, laid out as a magical grimoire um, containing a long set of rituals or spells um, meant to uh, allow one player who is the necromancer or magician or witch um, to evoke from the dead... The other player who is a ghost. Um, so good. Thank you. And um, so it's structured like a ritual, and um, it goes in basically um, sections that correspond to the classical elements, right? So there's a ritual of earth, a ritual of air, a ritual of water, a ritual of fire, um, and you use um, tarot cards. Um, which also correspond to those elements um, as a randomization mechanic in each section. Um, so just in terms of like the basic organizational structure of the game and of the narrative, um, it is organized around the, um, those elements, which are then represented um, by the pentagram. And as you progress through the game, um, you are moving um, tokens or coins um, to different points of the pentagram um, in order mm-hmm. to represent um, your passage through those different elements and through those different narrative sections. Um, so on a, just on a structural narrative level, right, I have used um, the pentagram and the elements that it represents and the tarot cards also represented by those elements as narrative organizational structure. Yeah. And it it's really inspired because it not only like, as you say, uh, is true to the actual use of a pentagram, like the, the understanding, but you use it as a, like, play space where you're physically moving inside of it, and so... Yes. It just, like, 
uh, totally powers up and it makes the design uh, super, super amazing. Um, and I want to do that. That sounds good <laughs> cool to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, also, just like using complicated geometry at the table. Is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That is a fun thing to do. Like, I like games that um, if someone came to look at what you were doing, they would have no idea. They would just yeah. really not be able to read it at, from the, <laughs> from passing by. The kind of games on demand confusion moment. Oh yeah, is what I'm looking for. <laughs> you're going. You're going for just total total obfuscation. <laughs> yeah, because like games that are only present and ex- extant to the people that are playing them. Like you need to like be right there to access it. That's maybe not accessible or whatever, but I feel like um, games like A Quiet Year or any game that uses a billion um, note cards with phrases on them is in that space of, like, uh, we can't... I couldn't even begin to explain to you what this is. <laughs> so what's, you had to be here. What's yeah. he building in there? You know that You know that Tom Waits song? The what's he building in there song? Yeah, and then he's like... What's he building in there? What's he building in there? <laughs> That's actually <laughs> a pretty good Tom Waits imitation. Um, I love Tom Waits. I also oh love God. Tom Waits. Um, I think I tend in my game design to um, to go for clarity, but um, but also just the the very strange, right? My my games yeah, tend right. toward. Um, I, I do consider myself a surrealist, um, yep. like in terms of like what, what my art artistic orientation is. It's um, one, I'm a surrealist, and two, um, I am uh, like a, a funny a funny person, a humorist, yeah. humorist comedian or whatever, um, and a and a surrealist. So I do tend toward um, toward really um, pushing toward the far reaches of the use of imagination. Um, and, um, but also clarity, right? I want, I want people to understand what the fuck to do. Um, so I think, I think I tend to strike a pretty good balance, um, between those things. Yeah. And it's interesting looking at clarity as something that the players have or something that the game presents that makes sense. Like your designs and your rules writing are extremely clear, um, but there are definitely examples of games where you can just peek at it and it uh, either reads to you clearly or, or not. And yeah, that's in that's especially with like actual plays. It's interesting to see what the role of the game being played has to future players. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think that any, any person walking by seeing anyone playing dead friend a game of necromancy <laughs> will think clearly what is happening here is pe- is somebody or two people are attempting to raise the dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right there is no like the aesthetics no, no bones about no it. bones no bones <laughs> yep dot 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 about it it is unambiguously <laughs> <laughs> a necro- <laughs> a necromancy ritual in its aesthetics. Yeah, and like yeah. the the goal there with like black mass too is just to have a ton of tarot cards on the table. Yeah, people are just like, oh, mm, they're doing magic. Yeah, I think definitely. <laughs> yeah, 
And then Starcrossed is like the opposite. Like Dread and Starcrossed are like, oh, you're playing Jenga? And they're like, either like, uh, no, we're terrified. <laughs> or they're like, <laughs> or like, no, we're gonna, we're about to make out. Yeah. This is not yeah, Jenga. This is about make out. It's about to fall animal kiss. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> that like, um, I like how the inverse of the uh, intended use of the item correlates to like a more complicated and expansive emotional use, like dread and starcross. Oh yeah. And the more like loaded stuff, loaded quote unquote tarot cards, a lot of like um, thematically, or rather, I heard this put really well. Um, like cards have lots of is a huge packet of information mm. and a tarot card is a gigantic like super dixit packet thing and oh, yeah. how that you can you can tell a zillion things but uh even even just passing by you'll it looks like actual witchcraft which is what we're doing we're we're wizards and witches and i am i am guy. i am like i don't know i would say i'm somewhere between like a sorcerer and again that 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 loopy bard <laughs> yeah i feel like you you're multi-classing maybe you like yeah you picked up some levels yeah or awesome. i'm just or i'm just a bard with a with a demonic pact <laughs> that sounds way more fun yeah <laughs> like like I made, I made a, I made a pact with a, with an infernal entity, but it didn't give me sorcerer powers. It gave me bard powers. So, Visigoths vs. Molgoths is a game coming to Kickstarter in October. When in October is it coming out? It is launching upon the 1st of October at noon Whoa. Eastern Daylight Time. And it will be running all the way through 11.59pm, also known as Midnight of Halloween. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel? Like, obviously, it's going to kick ass and you'll annihilate... Um, but how do you how do you personally feel like in the run up? Is this have you done a Kickstarter before? So here's 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 my my thing about my Kickstarter experience. I have not done a game design Kickstarter oh, okay. before. I have, however, been one fourth of a tiny Kickstarter, uh, like five or six or seven years ago, to raise like fourteen hundred dollars to buy a van for my band to tour. So, yes! so I have in fact been part of a very low budget um Dodge 1994 Dodge Ram conversion van purchasing Kickstarter. <laughs> well, that is like so vital. That is like a dire Kickstarter. You need Yeah. That. Yeah, we needed it. We really needed it. So, that was successful, but again, <laughs> I have I have raised the the not very high funds to be one fourth of purchasing a um, really cheesy '90s um, like like 
pull the shades down on the windows whoa like van to be able to transport our drums and keyboards to gigs <laughs> where where's the van now uh we sold it um we nice. we we used it for 3 years um we oh, great. yeah we toured with it we you know it it got a whole lot of use um yeah and um you know, obviously, we are very grateful to those who who contributed and helped us yeah. um, be a touring band for three years. Um, but all that said, um, this, by the way, was when I was um, I was in a band called Schmeckel, um, yes. which means little penis in Yiddish. It was all um, trans men or trans masculine um, Jews, <laughs> um, and it was a comedy band, obviously, um, and. Um, yeah, we did a we did a bunch of touring. We went um to uh, a lot of colleges um like sort of on the East Coast and um you know, played a bunch of we were a punk punk slash klezmer band. Um Hell yeah. with with comedy lyrics and um we also um played a bunch of, you know, shows here in, in New York City and also house shows and all kinds of punk things. Um anyway, that all that is to say, um I have sort of been involved in doing a Kickstarter, but not on like any kind of large scale. Um, however, um, I am an extremely intense extrovert and know a lot of people in the game design industry. Um, and so I've been getting yeah. a lot of um, really helpful um, guidance on on logistics from like all of these incredibly experienced Kickstarter based um, game designers. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great and i'm really looking forward to it and i the video i saw some pictures from the shoot it looks so good thank you i'm really excited about it the video um i'm actually gonna drop the video i think um uh friday the 20 whatever um oh yeah the yeah 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 yeah. so i'm gonna that video should be up soon so that people can get a, a little a little preview of our little trailer that's awesome, yeah. And um, uh, before the show, Lucia and I were talking about the Kickstarter United, um, y- well, the Kickstarter union busting stuff and the Kickstarter United support. And Lucian penned a great letter um, confirming with the union, right, that uh, throwing a Kickstarter is not uh, crossing a picket line. There is no picket line, and it's encouraged. And I yeah. would uh, go check that out on necromancy.itch.io. Um, that that letter, it's it's super great. Also, all of Lucian's games. Also, Thank- that fucking handle is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I um I did in fact um I since I myself have in the past organized a union um and been union busted um mm-hmm. I I was one of the original organizers for the um Kaplan ESL Teachers Union of New York City mm-hmm. um in 2012 so I have experienced all of these things so I um I did uh reach out to Taylor and Kickstarter United to um ask them what I should do um, since I have an October Kickstarter coming up. Um, should I continue with the Kickstarter? Should I postpone? Should I move to a different platform? How can I be in solidarity? Um, and everybody, um, the union and um, Taylor, who is one of the organizers who was um, wrongfully fired, all say there is no call for boycott at this time um, and to go ahead with the project. Um, and so everybody, please support the union. 
Um, Please. And, and also um, support people's projects on Kickstarter um, as this is not scabbing as there is no picket line. Again, thank you for doing that. It was super great. Thank, um, thank you. Oh, but the 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 task at hand, Visigoths for small goths. Oh my goth, it's amazing. Yes. Um. So so Visigoths versus Molgoths, um, is a tabletop role playing game and dating sim, um, yes. about the conflicts <laughs> and romances among the warriors who sacked ancient Rome. And modern spooky teens set in a shopping mall in a suburb of Los Angeles in 1996. Um, and I might add, there are a lot of bisexuals. Um, so that's the pitch. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is really, really fun. Um, it, it's obviously lighthearted and absurd and surreal. Um, I think that the game rules are very easy to learn. Um, mm -hmm. I have streamlined it so that um the core rules all fit on probably one page or maybe two pages um depending on how the layout artist moves the text around um and um <laughs> it, it is um i think both very friendly to players of um all kinds of tabletop role-playing games such as on the one hand games like dungeons and dragons on the other hand games like um Apocalypse World or Powered by the Apocalypse or Story Games. I also think that it is a good introduction to tabletop for LARPers, um, as it is very improv-heavy. Um, it's more improv. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it is more... Um, I would say that it is more improvisational than strategic, so um, it's mm -hmm. um, it relies more upon um, sort of creative storytelling skills than it does upon... Um, like some of the strategic skills that you might need for war games, et cetera. Um, and, right, yeah. but it gives you a lot of support in, um, in having like a lot of options given to you so that you're not sort of blank slating and, and having to come up with stuff out of nowhere. Um, so I think um, sort of ticks a lot of boxes for, um, for accessibility for people coming from a lot of different types of games. Um, and uh, we have an amazing team of artists and guest writers, so that's exciting. Um, the cover was designed by Robin Eisenberg, who's famous. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is beautiful. It is such a good cover. Thank you. It's really cool. Um, yeah, she um, uh, is the, you know, an artist who has worked um, on, like, Vans shoes and Thrasher yeah. and, you know, oh, all kinds of... Sick. Yeah. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, she's really cool. Um, she's a Los Angeles-based so cool. artist. Um, and um, the interior art is by uh, U.S. Abadias Garcia, who is um the visual artist on Retroverse Lasers and Liches, the like cool weird '90s retro um, Dungeons and Dragons 5e expansion. Um, oh, awesome! So that is also amazing. Um, we have guest writers who are all amazing. We have um. Liz Gorinsky from Goth Court, which is great. Yeah. Um, we have, you may know Jonea Kemper or Mabel yeah. Harper from, um, from the indie role-playing game and OSR scenes. Um, we also have um, uh, Maya Beckval, the runologist from Civilization VI <gasps> and God of War. Um, <gasps> the, like, literally, she's, she has a PhD in, in like, rune stuff. Um, she is, you know, out there in Scandinavia being a runologist. So, um, she has written a, um, guest adventure 
about gothic runes. Um, so when I was uh, <laughs> peeping the pro- the like Kickstarter preview page, I saw all the names listed, and I was like, "This is going to be the best thing I've ever bought with money. <laughs> like, this is it." <laughs> I really hope everyone enjoys it. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, you know, we also have. Um, some cool maps. We've got um, map design by um, Olivia Fields, who is um, a really cool visual artist, and um, also map designed by Jackson Tegu, who is oh awesome. Yeah, also a cool both visual artist and game designer. Um, we have um, the layout designer is V Hendro from um, Good Society. Um, so Whoa. if you know Good Society, the Jane Austen RPG. Um, and you like the layout, which is very good. Same layout artist, V. Hendro, um, who is in Australia. Um, and then um, the uh, stylistic editing and um, also like proofreading line editing um, will be uh, by Lauren McManaman, who is the um, also did editing for Good Society and is the designer of Girl Underground. Yeah. So it's a really, really great team of people. Um, and, um, it's just going to be really, really great, fun, awesome, like visually beautiful, um, very fun game. I can't wait. Thank you. Uh, and of course everyone will be tweeting about it and I know Adam and I will, but definitely follow Lucian on Twitter. Um, and there's a mailing list too. There is a mailing list. Um, the, the URL for the mailing list is like. (laughs) 80 million numbers and letters. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a terrible URL. But um, what, <laughs> what you can do is um, go to my Twitter and look at the pinned post and click on the link to the mailing list because it's a terrible URL and I'm not going to tell you what it is vocally <laughs> because it will make your brain explode. Um, the difference between uh, you and Adam is that Adam would. Yeah, I'm just Adam not. Just I'm just not going to do. I'm not going <laughs> to list a bunch of random numbers and letters for you to like write down on a like a fucking <laughs> note card so that you can type them meticulously in. Just go to my Twitter, look at the pin tweet, and click the link to the mailing list. And then when the Kickstarter launches, you will get an email. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, um. You may just at this point be able to go to Kickstarter and type in Visigoths versus Malgoths and get the preview page. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Because um, the preview yeah. the preview page is there. Um, yeah. And then you can just click on the follow button. Whatever. I don't know. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, on October 1st at noon, EDT, you will be able to pledge cash monies to Visigoths versus Malgoths upon Kickstarter. You and, should. And hopefully it will fund. And then I can send you my wares. <laughs> Find Dwarven Crafts. Wares? Yes. Find is, Dwarven Crafts. Is, is that wares like the BBS wares? Yes. Or is it wares <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> yes. Um, and if you're looking for coin, check the quest board. Mm, gotta check the quest board. Hey, yeah. thank you so much for hanging out and, and chatting with me. Um, obviously, uh, you've got this awesome Kickstarter coming out, but your just whole library of games are so special and thoughtful. And yeah, just thanks for making the time. It's been great. Thank you. This has been a delight as always. 
Um, and like I said, I'll be opening up the bottle where I kept uh, Adam's voice when his body was discorporated into the Austral into Australia. I'm not sure what's going on, so we'll hear from him in a second. But um, I'm Willie Oops. You can find me on t- online at will.com. Um, and yeah, wow, you you uh, got will you got will.com. Yeah, I'm at will.com. How um, long ago did you get that domain? I uh well I was there uh, in 7 or 64 when Arpanet um was connected to San Francisco and so uh I've requested will.com um I'm working in the TLD of will.will so we'll see how it goes Oh my god um, but, <laughs> uh, but uh I you said before but where can people smash that like and subscribe on on you <laughs> Yes Smash it on me through the luminiferous ether at Otheogony on Twitter. O-H underscore T-H-E-O-G-O-N-Y. It is a pun. It's a pun. It's a pun, right? That's his whole thing, everybody. It's That's a pu- it. It's a pun. You can follow me on Twitter at that handle. Also... Please pledge your monies and obtain my wares <laughs> on October 1st through Halloween midnight, also known as 11.59 p.m. For Visigoths, for Visigoths versus Molgoths, a the game. game. Also, a game you want. A game you wish to obtain. Also, um... If you're interested in in checking out any of my other games at this time, um, one of the best places to do that, there are many places to do that, but one where they are all aggregated in one place is my itch.io, which is necromancy.itch.io. Cool. Also, also my um, game Dead Friend, a game of necromancy, um, can be obtained in physical, corporeal form in a variety of places, um, including 20-sided store in Brooklyn, New York, including hey. including Exalted Funeral online, um, including um, all of the conventions where Indie Press Revolution sells games, or through Jim Likes Games, also at conventions, and in several other places. So yeah. support the the best wit out there the best Aww. working wit in the biz oh thank you my my heart my heart is a flutter <laughs> and uh it just it feels great to not be playing a kickstarter and let someone just do it because on this podcast we're doing it every goddamn fucking week <laughs> so yes oh well uh from me and the whole family here um <laughs> uh and stay tuned in a few seconds for the Upside Down Shadow cast from the Barman in Australia. <laughs> Adam Bass. Thank you. Thank you. Like, thank you. No, thank uh, you. Okay, this is good podcast energy. Hello, and welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. 
My name is Adam Vass, and I am a game designer in uh, Sydney, Australia today. And I'm recording this alone because Will is home and I am not. And uh, we're on opposite sides of the world and could not figure out my my internet access and a time that we would both be awake and available. So uh, doing this little solo segment, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the podcast that I had admittedly nothing to do with this week. Uh, but, you know, we're pretty good at this by this point, so I, th- I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Uh, first off, I wanted to voice uh, our solidarity with the Kickstarter union. Um, to those of you who are uh, not paying as much attention, um, the higher-ups at Kickstarter are not... Uh, acknowledging their worker union and have started to fire people who were prominent voices of that unionization, uh, including a friend of ours, Taylor, who was uh, pretty helpful and instrumental in their brain trust campaign, reaching as many people as it did. Uh, we, we reached out to them or will rather reached out to the union before the campaign so we could have done due diligence to see if it was okay to do the campaign, what the what the uh, situation was like. And Taylor was our contact there, but also just super helpful and encouraging to our project in general. On top of um, giving us information about the the union and and uh, how things were going and how things continue to go. Um, so we wish him. And all of the workers there, the best of luck and our complete support, uh, whatever they decide to do next. I think we and a lot of other game makers who use Kickstarter as a platform will uh, follow in suit. So I'm, as I mentioned, in Australia currently. Uh, I've been here for a couple of weeks and I think I've got just over a week left. Uh, and things have been good. I've been very busy. Uh, we're in a different town every day, and I'm performing each night, which also entails with loading and sound checking, and it's quite a involvement of time. But at the same time, I've managed to get quite a bit of work done on another game, which I sort of mentioned on the show and have censored to some extent, but uh, it's called Cobwebs, and it is well underway now it's very close to being testable and i plan on sharing that in the brain trust uh discord channel for those of you who are there or maybe interested in joining um but it's a game about a person who is not necessarily a journalist or investigator but is forced to act as one because someone they care about has gone missing under suspicious circumstances and the closer you get to sort of unraveling this conspiracy, the more danger you find the character in. Uh, the character is shared among all of the players, and everyone's sort of working towards their own assumption of what the conspiracy is and how best to thwart it. So it's this cool thing where everyone uh, is trying to succeed, but success is sort of subjective and uh, no one person really knows what's going on until it's over, which is cool. Um, It started out as a hack of Lovecraft-esque and kind of integrated some Forged in the Dark elements 
and now it's its own pretty crazy involved thing uh, for fans of podcasts like Limetown or uh, Tannis and Rabbits and those sort of conspiracy fiction serialized dramas. Um, and I think a lot of the success I've had in developing that game, in addition to just really positive and encouraging discussions in the Discord, as I mentioned, um, is this sort of shower principle thing that happens to me when I travel. Uh, I work from the road quite a bit, and especially this year as my band put out a new album, I've been on the road a lot more than normal. Um, the spring tour we did in April and into May, I used to do all of the layout for all of my zine quest uh, zines. So Wish You Were Here and Return to Sender were pretty much exclusively made on that tour. Uh, I order the prints a couple days before the tour ends, so the box is waiting for me when I get back to my apartment, which is a really great uh, hit-the-ground-running kind of thing so that I can start fulfillment right away and, and just uh, continue work. And I find really random but great spurts of imagination and creativity in between a lot of the ritual and mundanity of travel, spending a lot of time on this tour specifically in airports and hotels. And uh, when your brain kind of just goes nowhere is when I'm finding a lot of kind of design breakthroughs. And it's really neat to happen and it's hard to manifest, but when it does manifest, it's so rewarding and good. Um, I know also there's just like quite a bit of inspiration that comes from being outside of your element. Uh, I know uh, our, our friend Jason, who's in the Discord, uh, ha has been talking a lot about like American Highway, American Rest Stops, and mentioned the podcast Alice Isn't Dead, which I got into and was one of the inspirations for Cobwebs. Um, and I've been very in tune with that um, aesthetic for most of my adult life since I started touring when I was 18. Uh, the rest stop and the highway uh, attractions and everything are, are such a interesting element that's so exclusively American, it seems, and uh, the mythology of it all is really fascinating and ripe for game materials. And I know uh, our friend Vid also just did a road trip across America and was similarly inspired by a lot of the things that you probably wouldn't otherwise notice or care about because you live in a place and you do your the things you do. But when you're um, just in a vehicle and you're traversing the world, uh, you, you find a lot of these things that you might have taken for granted and, and you appreciate them in a different way. Um, even the core impetus of us doing the Brain Trust Kickstarter kind of came to me when I was half asleep, when we were driving from Michigan to California, when I moved earlier this year, and I just woke up in the middle of like a rainstorm in Colorado somewhere, and was like, yo, it'd be cool to do a game and design it live. And for whatever reason, I knew Will would be the person to do it with. And I was right. Uh, it worked out great. And uh, that game is great. And everybody knows how happy we are. Uh, hopefully more awake than the last episode. I know personally I am. Uh, but I also just drank a big old matcha. Um, the, on the only thing, one thing that's sort of dangerous, though, about the uh, inspiration of travel and the sort of um, ethereal 
creativity that comes with the way I approach things um, is when it doesn't work or when it works and I can't stop, which is sort of where I feel right now. Um, we went to Europe on tour in June and July. The Kickstarter for the Brain Trust started three days later. The Kickstarter for Brain Trust ended three days before I flew to Australia. And here I am writing cobwebs and I'm five or 6,000 words deep into that game now. So I haven't given myself a true break because whenever this spark happens, I want to chase it. And I think that's good. And I hopefully know my own uh, limits on how far I should chase it or when I should give myself a break. But the distinction between work and hobby and free time and uh, peace time and rest uh, gets very blurry when one, you live a transient lifestyle or freelance or anything where you're not on a clock. And two, when you do hobby game design, which is sort of something that I enjoy doing a lot. Uh, it doesn't really pay any bills, but I'm at a point now, which makes me very happy that I can break even. Um, so I don't want to stop doing it and risk losing that momentum. But at the same time, if I go too hard, I'm going to crash soon. Um, I haven't worked on cobwebs in maybe two or three days, which probably doesn't sound like much, but is a lot to me. Uh, especially, I think I have a couple things about it that I want to work on and get it to testing probably this week. But um, we've taken a very deliberate break from designing a guide to casting phantoms in the revolution. And we're going to hit the ground running when I get back to America in a week or two. But um the break's not a true break unless I let it be in it. I'm not personally very good at educating, adjudicating what is free time and what is time spent, uh, air, air quotes, working, whether that work is for fun or for real work or whatever real work is. Or Yeah, uh, I'm losing the train real quick. But uh, this is, I guess, a, more of a PSA to... Take a break sometimes and don't put out every game every day because you need to just uh, take a breath. This is I'm going to listen to this later and be like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Uh, hopefully I future me takes past me's advice uh, until two weeks from now when I'll be back. And hopefully with a fresh new episode of the Brain Trust, you can contact me on Twitter at WC Game Co. And I look forward to being back with everybody in the, my home soon. Goodbye, brainies. Wow, two endings in one podcast. I sure do miss Adam Fass. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode in your feed. In the meanwhile, go take that break. Wow, three endings in one podcast. It's like Will finished editing before midnight and just had some fun time. Wow, five endings? Or are we on four? Ugh. Okay, this is the fourth. 
and the fifth. 